thick and rink. Thick and rink. Thick and thick, rink. Thick and rink. Thick and rink. Episode 74. 73 with one. 74. 74. All right. Episode 74 of Thick and Rink Podcast. We are happy to be back. 73 of episode Thick and Rink. It's episode 73 of Stick and Rink Podcast. We are happy to be in Josh's gross basement once again, and it feels like home, boys. It feels like home. Um, Josh, how you doing, buddy? Well, I was having a great day until you just said that my basement smells. <laughs> I said it was gross. Oh, great. It, it hits Even all better. the senses, visually, the nose, the ears, the mouth. You know what? As soon as you know, we recorded at uh, Raf's house last time, so if it gets you to quit fucking bitching about it, then sure, let's go there. Why don't we go to my house? Dude, you sent a photo of a spider the size of a hockey puck yeah was, i'm not going over there that was fucked yeah full on Raph, how you doing? i'm good i'm comfy i'm laying down right now i'm chilling that's good I'm ready to go yeah are you pissed kind of <laughs> Raph, we had a conversation before this podcast about how raf is kind of just usually triggered i okay so and we, he said it was because of me yeah, so Elijah's like, every single time I see you, you're either pissed or about to be pissed. And I'm like, yeah, Elijah, what's the one common factor? And he's like, people. I'm like, no, specifically you. <laughs> I think people. Either way, Josh, uh, yeah, there was a spider in my house. Um, me and my girlfriend were just laying in bed. It was like 11 o'clock. We we're about to get up and get get going with the night and either watch a movie or go to bed. And I leave the room and I hear like, <laughs> I hear death come out of her mouth. Like she was screaming bloody murder. And she went from, we were like laughing, having a good time. And she went like snap of a finger, yelling and like instantly crying. Really? Because I, and I came in the room she and I looked on the- crying? Well, like she started to cry within like a couple seconds. Yeah, dude. What the fuck? Did you, would you, if you sat that next to your bed, what would you do? I've had that now, spider in my house before. I fucking grabbed a shoe and yeah, murdered Yeah, okay, girls ass. are a bit different, especially people that are afraid of them. Don't come at Megan like that. Fuck. I guess, yeah. But yeah, like I looked at the spider and it was like, it's actually the biggest spider I've ever seen. From, in my house. From the yeah. video you sent us, it looked like Megan was trying to peacefully catch and release it. Oh, no. That was a moth. Oh, that was a different video. Yeah, that was all in the same night, though. Yeah. We're back Same weekend. Yeah, same kind of time. But yeah, yeah no, okay. another one. Another invader. Another Jesus. one. Yeah, another <laughs> one. Either way, no, I'm doing good. Thank you. We'll do it at my house one day. Yeah. Uh, we are back as a Canucks podcast, as a hockey podcast, living in one of the greatest times in the past many years to be a Canucks fan, be a Canucks yeah. anyone. Player, coach, fan, yeah, stripper, mm-hmm. bartender, um, anyone, anyone's. We're all living off of this. Exactly. This is the injection the economy needed, especially the number five orange. <laughs> yeah. Right. Seriously. Absolutely, dude. It's um, it's crazy, man. We're up two nothing right now. Uh, game two finished out last night. Huge four three win in overtime. Absolutely. For the Knox. Um, how we're just gonna kind of lay this out. Uh, for today is we're just going to talk about just certain players that I've kind of noticed. I'm going to hit Elijah with maybe even a factory today. Oh, um, a stat factory, a stat factory. And then just kind of some other hockey news, just uh, small things going on around the league, but very much so based around Vancouver to start it off. So just so far in the series, a um, couple players have stood out to me. 
I think the first one that we can talk about is Bo Horvat. Yep. Easily. And, dude, like, this guy is just nasty right now. Like, he is dangling the shit out of everyone. He's pulling moves like... He's playing NHL 20, and everyone else is playing NHL playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's he's NHL 20 on rookie mode. Yeah. What it seems. Like, just walking defenses. And, you know, the first... Um, you know, the first goal that he had where he, uh, where he walked, who was it? Schwartz, I think. The, or was it yesterday? From game one? Yeah, from game one. That was, was Vince it? Dunn. Vince Dunn. Vince Dunn got left out to dry. Yeah, like he got hung. Like yeah. it, it was bad. So, you know, when you're seeing these moves from a guy like Horvat, who doesn't really have a history of pulling off goals like this. Against like a strong St. Louis defense and just a strong team overall, like this team is not someone that the Canucks came in to be like overlooked. Yeah, and it wasn't that the defense was supposed to be looked at as like a weak spot. No, I think that's probably their best part of their team. I would say. I I mean, they're getting a little bit older, but nonetheless, defense and goaltending was supposed to be kind of an advantage for them. I would say, yeah, hundred percent. So you know, watching him do that, like it, it, it's nuts right now. Um, and eight points, eight points in six games crazy so you know this guy's rolling and the blanket statement is he's been the best player of the playoffs in any on any team i would say i would say so yeah he's coming to his own and he's really he he took game one and game two he's taken by himself pretty much totally and like he's had the the biggest impact by far yeah and um yeah i think i think enough could not be said about Bora, bo horvat right now and um I, I don't want to say I haven't seen this coming. I, I did not see this kind of skill coming or this kind no. of point totals. But maybe this, this type guy, of like leadership. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I always saw big goals coming, but you know, I always, I always thought like, oh, maybe he'll get like a, you know, one of those greasy goals. I always yeah. thought this guy could be a big time player because he works. Like um, you can tell by his skating style yeah, and the way, horse. yeah, the way that he plays 18 minutes or 20 minutes of hockey, it's, he's a playoff 20 minutes. It's hard nosed hockey. Exactly. Yeah. Like he's full <clears throat> tilt consistently. Yeah. Like honestly, when you, when you talk about a guy like best or Pedersen and Besser, mm-hmm. um, they might be more skilled than Bo, but when you look at their ice time and you say, okay, they get 20 minutes, it's a very different 20 minutes of hockey. It's very skill oriented. It's very, yeah. you know, puck possession. It's very, uh, well, I mean, crisp first line hockey, right? It's, like, exactly. yeah. Whereas Bo Horvat, like, you know, your second, your second line guys, which is where he's at is, more of a shutdown role, yeah. which, you know, a lot more defending, but, you know, the scoring D, chances on face-offs, everything. Totally. Like, yeah. he, he's everywhere. He's penalty kill. He's power yeah. play. Like, he's... This, it's almost exactly like the Canucks of 2011, where the comparison was the Sedin's. Mm-hmm. The Sedin line was very skilled. No no physicality, really. Like, obviously, puck protection and stuff, but right. just very crisp passes, very, um, very easy on the eyes kind of hockey, where Bo Horvath mm-hmm. is usually... The Ryan Kessler, the very nitty gritty. Totally. You know, he gets, he has a great shot. And if he gets a chance to use it, he'll do it. But other than that, he's in front of the net. And, and he's not as much of a dirtbag as Kessler. So that works <laughs> exactly. out well, too. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not so much about Kessler's a dirtbag guy, but whatever. Um, where was I going with this? I don't know. Now, we just said all that, but the way he's been playing, he's been playing first line hockey of the NHL right now. Like, yeah. So, and I wonder if like the matchups that he's obviously getting, like right now you're seeing the Ryan O'Reilly line going up against the Lotto line for the Canucks. Yeah. And they're and, doing, and, and they're doing very good against them at least five on five. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, you know, that's making room for Horvat to kind of, you know, maybe show that offensive skill because we can, he can, he can be a shutdown center. Like there, there's no problem with that. And there's no argument behind that. But I think though, like, I'm wondering if that second line um, on St. Louis is being kind of caught off guard because like 
that can be a mismatch. Like if Bo Horvat is this strong of a two-way guy, like that's like putting Bergeron on, on like against like a second line matchup. Like that's, that doesn't how it works. Like you yeah. can't do that with him. So, I mean, good on the lotto line though, because like, obviously you can't take Ryan O'Reilly's line and not put it up against them. Yeah. Cause they'll work you like those are pure snipers on that line. Yeah. You know? And even though even though Ryan O'Reilly's line is is kind of dominating the Patterson line five on five at least mm-hmm. statistically, yeah. If they switch that up, it's not going to be the same. No, <clears throat> and no. and because like even though yeah, like I said, even though statistically they're dominating, it's still very even at least on the eye test. Yeah, the Pedersen's still getting chances. Miller's still making things happen. Yeah, and I mean, so is O'Reilly too, right? Yeah, like they're they're still making those things. So. Exactly. Um, where do you want this to go next? Um, lead me, Josh. Yeah, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to be like the, the the guy like at, at uh, the ballroom dance, like just leading you through oh, the waltz. You, like I'm, how, I'm how, how deep is your hand into my hips right now? Like, are you enough to like feel your kidney? Oh. Let's get you giggling. Let's <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> go in a waltz, my friend. Um, so I guess like, is this the episode where we're bringing on? Uh, yeah, our guest. Yeah. Dan Riccio. <laughs> so, Dan Riccio. Dan Riccio of Sports 650. Another big guest for us. Another big haul. Yeah. Um, what an interview. It was great. Yeah, it was um, fantastic. I love when radio guys... You know what? We, we're kind of starting to dive into interviewing the radio personalities of Vancouver and kind of bigger names and stuff. Not a big and, deal. And, you know, one thing, I was, one thing I was worried about, whether this was justified or not, was just if people can come on here and, and be their authentic self, you know, totally. not not bring the radio, the kind of censored personality or the the... the I don't want to say generic, but the just the but expected. still like the typical like professional. Yeah, like, that's the guy. word. Yeah. Expected professional. I, I was kind of worried about that, but both so far with Andrew Walker and Dan Riccio and 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 Tyson as well. Like we've had just great personalities. Like, yeah, and I feel like the, the good thing about radio guys is, you know, like they have to have an opinion. Yeah. Right. So which is always nice. Like they'll always have a stance on something, which is good. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we've, you know, we've really lucked out with that. But so with that interview, though, we're going to jump in terms of just players that I want to talk about. Like we talked about Jacob Markstrom in that interview, so we don't have to get into that. Um, I want to get into Tanner Pearson here. Let's do that. I, I would love to give Dude, that guy some recognition. Like this guy is gross. I'm just going to hit you with a couple things here. So first of all, he's a depth scorer on the Canucks. Yeah. Um, amazing with the playoffs. This guy had a career year this year, uh, 45 points and only 69 games played before his career year was 44 points in 80 games. So obviously like this guy could have easily gotten, you know, 50 points. Like he's a 50 point guy for a depth score. I'll take that any day of the fucking week. Yep. Let alone, which kind of leads me into my next point of like, this guy's a playoff guy. So in the 2013, 2014 playoff run, when he was with the Kings, 24 games, 12 points. This guy has six points in six games, including the qualifiers. Pretty nice. Like I want to say on, on LA, I didn't know what his role was in LA in terms of like top six, middle six. I don't know I what he was, he was either. Guy, but I, I, I could be wrong. He, I think he could have been a second. Yeah. Um, behind like, well, I mean, you think of that LA team. Like okay. they would have had Richards. They would have had Carter. Brown, Carter. Was Kopitar, Kopitar on that team? Yeah, absolutely. So I think Pearson maybe would have been a two, three, like second or third line guy. Definitely yeah. not a fourth for sure. But um, like this guy, like you see why he's brought into Vancouver. I love he is stats. a playoff performer. Yeah. Um, and th- this was the tough part for the Vancouver market to really swallow was, I don't know how much we talked about this in our past episode. I forget, but it's a big reason why 
our all our almost our entire fan base has been so rattled at the contracts that were given out and kind of the players that we have around our depth like the yeah. we talked about in the interview the the Myers the Sutters mm-hmm. the Pearsons the all these mm-hmm. guys and, and and Erickson to a point too yeah um these guys who just you know you don't really get the flashy regular season play but this is what you get them for yeah and and you know what like I it, I was thinking about this today before you guys came over and it almost makes you think like Vancouver. The way that they're playing right now, they are built like a playoff team. Yeah. Now, I think the struggle that's going to come down the line here is it like, would you maybe agree that they almost have too many playoff guys? So getting to the playoffs yeah, I've about in that. the regular season is, is a, is a stretch because yeah. like you have all these young kids, the expectations are always going to be high. But when you think about that, like that's only like maybe two lines worth. Yeah. But like all of a sudden you get into the playoffs and Vancouver is rolling all four lines and they're all effective. Yeah. You know, and that 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 might be the struggle. And and I can't really think of another team that is built like that where they might struggle almost. Year where they in. almost have too many guys. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I don't want to say for it's hard to say for the future if they'll struggle the same way they did the totally. past five years. But for the past three years, maybe. Yeah, it's tough. To, it's also tough to say because Quinn Hughes and Pedersen finally arrived and that really rounded things out totally in, a, in an amazing way. Yeah, but it'll be interesting for the next couple of years. That was one question I wanted to ask Dan, Dan Riccio, but I never got the chance to. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I'll ask you this question and, and we can jump back into your points about Pearson after. But yeah, um, are you able to confidently say that this group of Canucks right now, no matter where this season ends, if it's this round, next round, wherever, yeah. fuck if they win a cup, I don't know. Yeah. Um, are you confidently able to say that this team for the next year or two can build on this? Like, like in a linear path, you know, like, do you see mm-hmm. any, are you able to confidently say you don't see any like big, speed um, bumps? you know, I think, you know, I think Riccio actually kind of put it into perspective. I mean, we, I'm not going to spoil the interview, but we ended up briefly talking about like cap issues. Yeah. And I feel like that's going to be kind of the one thing that, might start to handcuff the Canucks, right? Like, I mean, you know, Markstrom is, is one. Um, when's Hughes off his rookie contract? When's Couple that? Years. Yeah. Two more you years. Know, you know? So you think, like, like you're saying, like, you're building off a year or two. Well, like, every year, like, you're going to have these guys. Like, I think you're getting a deal with Bo. So I think, I think Horvat himself is going to build off this. Um, because first year as captain, making it to the playoffs, being effective in the playoffs, and this guy's getting paid five and a half. Yeah. You know, so like for the Canucks, like that's amazing. Um, you know, I, I think it's more so protecting like your core guys. Like Be- Besser signed, is he not? Uh, bridge deal. Bridge deal. Okay. So again, something to be looked at kind of further down the line. Yeah. Hughes is still on his rookie. Uh, where's Patterson? Is he on his rookie? Uh, I think this... He'll have one year after this, you know, so, so it I'm telling you, like if these guys start building, which we obviously hope they do. Yeah. Like, I think the the moving forward is going to be even harder because these guys are going to get paid. It will be. But also at the same time, you're looking at these veteran leaders that are going to be leaving. Right. Like Erickson is not going to be there, um, you know. Uh, maybe Pearson may not always be there. Brandon Sutter, yeah. like we're gonna start losing some of those guys, so your cap is gonna eventually start clearing up. Yeah, that's my only so concern. I would say. Yeah, I would say that, that and that's a big concern. That's probably the biggest one. Yeah, that's how they handle and that, and maybe goaltending future as well. Yeah, and this, I think this summer is obviously gonna give us a clearer picture of what that looks like. 
two, yeah. three years down the road. It- See, this is the thing. If you take it in a snapshot and you look at their roster and you say, boom, they can keep everyone on this roster, let's say, mm-hmm. except for maybe one or two players, let's say a, a forward and a defenseman each sure. leave, each year. If they can keep this entire roster, they would build on it every year. I'm confident. 100%. That. But that's the fact of the salary cap. That's the fact of, of life is that yeah. with and you said, you, oh, we always got to keep the core. But even if we keep the core, the sacrifices that you make to these role players might be the yeah. thing that, you know, the straw that breaks camel's back. It might be the, oh, shit, like, yeah, we kept our best players, but that was the guy that when we got to the playoffs really rounded Helped. out our team. And it, it's not easy to find those guys that mesh. No. And so, obviously, like, you have to do it. You have to pick someone who's not going to be there yeah. and lose their contract. So, you know, it's it's very interesting. And it, it's just a... I, I don't know if that's quite the biggest reason why a team either ends up like, um, let's say, the Leafs, where it's just like perennial struggle year after year. Where like, do you remember that first year the Leafs made the playoffs and yeah, they lost to Boston, but everyone was like, oh shit, this team's another year after this, they're going to be a wagon. Yeah. And you know, it's just kind of struggle after struggle where totally. how do you, how do you become not a team like that and instead become a team like Washington or, or, mm-hmm. or Boston where, you know, you're constantly in the playoffs and you're constantly a contender, you know? Yeah. And like, and you know what though? Like, I think you look at Toronto and the way that they've built their team and they have all these all-stars, like yeah. they're, they're all amazing. But then you look at some a team like Chicago and you think like and I really want listeners and obviously for us to think like who are our true core guys on this team and then kind of compare that to a team that is still able to compete year in and year out. And Chicago is a perfect example. You know, like you've got Taves, Kane, Keith and Crawford. Those are your four. Yeah. And I would I would even say Crawford's flexible. Like Yeah. You know? Like honestly, I would say Taves, Kane, and Keith. Those like, are for sure. The when guys. you truly think about that. So if you put that into Canucks, who do you have then? So Horvat, I would say he's a core guy. He's because of this playoffs. He he would have been flexed out, I think, before this, but because of the way he's playing. Yeah. And his cap everything considered, his cap hit, his yeah. style of play, his position. Totally. I would, so I would say Hughes, Pedersen, Horvat, Besser. I would I, I even see Besser on the outside. Maybe looking even at. Besser. Like maybe it's just Pedersen, Horvat, and Hughes. Yeah, and, I couldn't and agree more. Everyone else is is inter- expendable. Inter- expendable is a tough word, but yeah. like you know, those other guys are going to be the reason they ever win a cup or not. Mm-hmm. But they won't. You know, it, it's like the Jonathan Taves and Kane thing. Like they're the biggest reason why success happens because year in year out they're able to sustain totally. the change and the yeah and everything like that. But yeah, that was very interesting. Where do you want to go next? Um. I'm going to throw some stats at you. Are you ready? I'm always ready. Okay. There's uh there's I only have two <laughs> two stats. Sick. But they're very interesting. Nice. Uh Vancouver has only had one game of the entire playoffs where we've lost in the faceoff dot. And that game was game 2, I think yesterday, and it was 35 to 34. In the face oh, we lo- we lost the faceoffs last night, eh? Yeah, that or game oh, no. one, I'm pretty sure. Interesting. Yeah, second one, and this is an interesting one. You know, I, I love faceoffs. Yeah, we have not had a game where we've been below 14 penalty minutes. Shit, not one game. Shit, below 14. Okay. So let's. So obviously, like I know there's fights and everything. Yeah, that's but what I was but say. you think like how many how many times? So so Furland has fought. In game one of didn't, Minnesota. Didn't big Jakey boy fight? McEwen. Yeah, McEwen fought recently. McEwen yesterday. fought yesterday. Um, oh, Canucks won the face-offs last night. Don't, don't dog on our it guys It might be like game that. one. Yeah. Game one then. It was, they, they won 41 to 32 last night. 
Yeah. How but are you? I, you keep going. I'll find out which one it was. Um, but yeah, so I think, I think Walker, I forget who it was. I think it was Walker. No, it could have been Tyson that actually said this. Like they need to stay out of the box. Yeah. And I agree. Like when you look, when you look at any team's power play, any team, like their first, like their first unit, like that's what they are. They are a unit. Like they are, you literally have your best players on the ice. Like it, it sounds so obvious yeah but the canucks actually actually need to stop taking so many fucking penalties like it's actually killing them it is yeah and well they're winning the special teams battle luckily right now but that when you look at the way this series could unfold us Mm -hmm. being up 2-0 like there's still ways we can lose this series totally and special teams is really a way that could that could that could happen because suddenly if we're not scoring two or three power play goals a game and maybe they're getting one yeah like that's the game right there yeah that's that's how you lose a game that's how you that's how you win a game yeah. And so I couldn't agree more. I think I think the fights are interesting because you know, th- let's talk about a couple penalties last night. So so obviously I think the the drama for the Canucks fans is that like there were some non-calls on the Blues, the mm-hmm. hit on Sutter. Right. Some people think the hit on Myers, I don't think that was a penalty, but let's talk like some of the the one, there was a couple wasn't there a penalty that, you know, I thought was pretty justified in taking and I forget which one it was. I'm not sure. Um I, that'll be a tough one to remember, but either way, I think there are some penalties in the playoffs that I'm okay with. Like mm-hmm. like I'm okay with if, if we have a two goal lead, I know that's a dangerous lead in hockey, but if someone fucks with Hughes or fucks with Pedersen, like Yeah. Take his head off. I don't care. Like yeah. like take a, a double mind. I like Beagle yesterday, standing up for when Sutter did get hit. Beagle came in and, and did something. Tried to straighten him out. Yeah. He didn't he didn't throw a ton of punches, but he just he just went in. That's all you gotta do. Yeah. Like I and we got the short end of that stick. We're not always going to. Some what most of the time they'll get even a roughing call. You got a double minor. And oh. he, he didn't even throw a punch. It was fucked. Holy shit. But either way, I would much rather take that risk than no one do anything. Because before yeah. you know it, they're doing that to Pedersen and Hughes. But you know what though? Like also at the same time, um, I was listening to I forget who it was. I think it was actually uh, the NBC guys today when I was watching the Carolina Boston game, and they were talking about the Canucks, and they were saying like, you know, like the physicality that St. Louis has actually tried to like implement on Vancouver, like it's not working right now. And, and coming into this series, that's a point that I made was like the Canucks are going to have to play a speed like a speedy game and not get sucked into this rough match that st louis wants because we're a fast team we can skate we have good puck movers like up and down the lineup defense and offense like that's not an issue for us it the issue lies is with toughness and that's what st louis is like their defense like is huge like their houses yeah like they're you know there's that stat you told me last week they don't have one they only have one player under six feet like that's fucking bananas yeah you know so it's one of those things to be obviously to keep in mind because you know two nothing right now going into st louis um like do they what's st louis's game plan right now are they gonna try and keep this physicality going or do you think they're gonna actually try and compete and maybe try and get in the shootout with us because i feel like the second option may not be wise for them yeah i don't know i I think their their coaches are probably saying the same thing we're saying about the discipline like stay out of the box because these guys are roasting us right now Mm -hmm. on the power play but um i think if they can stay out of the box they're just gonna try and dump hit and chase because yeah. I think that they they've actually done a pretty good job on our on our defense of winning puck battles down though. So right. I think that's probably a big focus for them on the strategy side of it. Yeah. Um the other side of it is what what are they doing with goalies? I yeah. Mean, I was I, right about to ask you that. Yeah, and I think tailing into that because 
you know, I personally think if Jake Allen starts a game in this series, whether he wins that, if Jake Allen starts the rest of the series, I'm just about ready to, to bet the house on the Canucks. Yeah. I have no faith in playoff Jake Allen. Um, he had a decent year this year, though. Yeah, he's he's had decent years in the past, but playoff yeah. Jake Allen just has not been a thing before. Yeah. And I wonder if it's more like I think if anything, like I feel like this is still like Bennington's crease, but I'm wondering if. You know, they just give Allen the start, and if they win, great, you're back in it. Okay, let's go back to Bennington. Really? Yeah. See, that's I would the tough say thing. So. so, what if you? So, if you put him in and you win, now, like, do you look like an idiot if you go back to Bennington? I I don't know. I mean, like, maybe just giving him a game off. Like, dude, Bennington literally between games one and two, he switched equipment. Yeah, I saw he kept that. Kept the same pads, but his blocker and gloves. Like, he's so he's, in his, own he's, head a bit. he's in his own head. And but goalies are weird like that. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing, though. You know, he's in his fucking head. Both score that. Yeah, and that's <laughs> who's in his fucking head right now. <laughs> that big old head of his and that's that's little tricky smile. Yeah, exactly. he's right in his eyes. I love it. Should we jump over to the interview? Yeah. Why do we do that? Let's jump over to the Dan Riccio interview right now. You guys are going to love it. We had a great time doing it. Yeah. Um, Here we go. Bada bing, bada boom. Hey there. Have you ever thought to yourself? I really like hockey, and I'd love a show to listen to, but I also don't have enough nonsense in my life. And questionable opinions. Ha! I got the show for you, bud. And there's some really, really thirsty person in that group, okay, that will be like, I'll give you $7 for that lemonade. And the $2 person is like, whoa, okay, walking away. That person's crazy. That is exactly what happens in free agency all the time. And that is a really good metaphor. And if you don't appreciate it, put the phone down. Get out of here. We don't want you around. You can't say, hey, you tripped this guy, but also he dove. Well, if he dove, I didn't trip him. If you're a goalie, just, you know, chill. You don't have to do as much as you think you need to do. But also we talk about hockey. So go check out Siren Sounder, a Canes podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes every Monday and after every playoff game during the playoffs. Let's go Canes. All right, and we're pleased to have with our next interview here one of the co-hosts of the very famous Sportsnet 650 show, Reach Deep. We've got Dan Riccio on the line, on the mics. How you doing, Dan? Doing well, boys. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Welcome to the show. Pleasure to have you. Yeah, and we're getting to this point now where, you know, we've done interviews and we, we constantly say, like, oh, man, like, it's our privilege to have you. It's like, we're, what a pleasure <laughs> to have you. I think, you know what, you're not quite there yet, but pretty soon here i think we're gonna have to start saying like you're welcome for bringing you on like you come to uh yeah i don't know about that yet boys you still, you still got a ways to go you know i guess like, we should tell dan this is the stick and rink podcast if you've heard of us yet. Yeah. <laughs> we're kind of building things here you guys might want to watch out you might not be able to get through the door with the big heads you got already. yeah <laughs> so true, man. No. we're trying to big league people when we're not even in the minors yet yeah. you gotta act like you've been you're there. still in the echl boys yeah we're, yeah we're in the east coast <laughs> That's what Josh always says, dude. He compares us to like the low-level ECHL fourth liners. Yeah. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. You know, you can drop the mitts, have a good couple of good fights, and that's it. Yeah, yeah and the exactly. most important part is we can we can drink the beer after and probably not pay for it because yeah. we're making nothing. <laughs> yeah. And by good fights, you mean Twitter beefs and just start stirring the shit. 2020. Yeah. That's that's pretty much what life is all about these days yeah. in, in Canucks land, so it's good. Yeah, love it. It, it is the lifeblood of Canucks fandom. That's what it is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're going to kind of take this interview in a direction and see where it goes. We'll, we'll eventually get to hockey, but we kind of wanted to know your story, Dan, and just kind of where you got your break in media and what the fuck is going on in your house? I don't know. Um, yeah, where you got your break in media and just 
where you got your start kind of with sports center wherever you where have you been in the past uh, well, it's, uh, it's been a while. I've been, uh, I've been in the game for 10 years now with, uh, with Sportsnet. I got a job uh, out in Toronto. So I grew up in Toronto, a little uh, north of the city, uh, a place called Woodbridge, nice little Italian-Canadian community. And um, nice. <laughs> I uh, went to Seneca College from there. And uh, right out of school, I took a job with uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Um, at the time it was just, uh, the fan. Um, and it was, uh, you know, I, I grew up listening to Bob McCowan and, um, you know, it was just something I always wanted to do sports radio. That's the transition lens is famous, right? He is the legend. Yeah, he was, uh, he he was pretty incredible. You know, he was not always uh, the most engaged and he had some fire takes sometimes, but, uh, (laughs) really appreciated just the way that, uh, he, he ran a radio show, his interviewing skills. Uh, there was, there was just a lot to like about the way that he conducted a radio program. Mm -hmm. Um, so that kind of got me into the game. I, uh, straight out of school, I knew I wanted to work for 590 and found a way to get an internship, um, at, uh, the, uh, news uh, station that was uh, connected to 590, which is 680 News, kind of like News 1130 and, and 650 is here in, in Vancouver. Similar situation. Got an internship there, found my way in at 590, started grinding on overnights on the, on the board behind the glass and stuff like that and made some friends. Um, eventually, I you know made my own break because while I was first starting in radio, I uh, worked at a sports memorabilia shop. I don't know if you, you noticed, but uh, I talk about this a lot on Reach Deep. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I worked at the sports memorabilia shop. And at the time on 590, we had uh, 24-hour programming. So uh, TSN had just come into the market and they took ESPN programming away from 590. And so we went to 24-hour programming, live programming. And the host was uh, Jeff Samet overnight. And so we developed a bit of a relationship and he knew that I, you know, kind of grinded. I worked, you know, from 11 till 5 a.m. Yeah, the Um, the primetime slots, right? Yeah, (laughs) the primetime slots of 11 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. Yeah, your sleep Uh, schedule is just on point at that time. uh, So I'd take like naps in between work shifts, you know, I'd just be like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> get home at 5.30 from my overnight shift, sleep for a few hours, show up at the card shop at 10 a.m., yeah. grind it out till 6, and then back to the radio station for 11 that night. Was, well, you told uh, a bit of a white lie because you never get home at 5.30 and then go right to bed. You always turn on Netflix and you watch the dumbest show and waste an hour of your life before you do that. Yeah, something like that. Or you throw on Shell, play a couple games. And yeah. Dusted <laughs> by some kid in, in, in like North Dakota online. <laughs> Calling you a loser over the mic as he's dusting you like 5 nothing. Yeah, pretty much. Making you watch the replays just to annoy you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then uh, eventually, like, he was just like one night where we it was middle summer and, you know, in the summer you're always kind of looking for what to talk about. And he was just like, it, Jeff had a, a sports card story that he wanted to talk about so he brought me on and next thing you know we're taking phone calls and I'm appraising people's sports memorabilia on the air at midnight and we had full phone board for like two hours and holy shit one of the one of the bosses heard and he was like wow you really got a you got a natural feel for for being on the air and so that's that's when I got on the radar and uh from that was, there, that was kind of like your break it sounds like yeah, that was my that was my big break, and uh, from there I just you know it's it's all about grinding in this in this business. So 
uh, from there it was uh, finding a way to to grow from that and and make my own opportunities I think that's what um, a lot of people coming into the game don't understand is you got to make your own opportunities because they're yeah. not always going to find you so whether that's with a podcast this is kind of the norm now but back then I was just you know, like I was a big soccer fan and there was nobody doing soccer stuff really at 590 at the time. Sportsnet had English Premier League rights. And so I was like, hey, like we can do kind of a cross-brand promotion thing where I talk about the Premier League and, and start a show that way. Right. And they made me do a year of demos. Uh, <laughs> oh, so I had shit. to do, I had to do uh, a show, me and a couple other guys, I, I basically did a show that just went to the bosses for a year, once a week, uh, an hour long show. And because of our schedules, we'd tape it sometimes in the middle of the night. We'd all finish work at like 1 a.m. or something. Uh, and, and we'd tape the show after we finished our shift till like three in the morning. Um, and after, after a while, they, they were like, all right, uh, we're going we're gonna to give you guys a podcast page and uh, and, and we'll go from there. So that's kind of how I got my, my break. It was a lot of grinding, a lot of work, um, and just fighting for that first chance at being on air. Yeah. And slowly, uh, once they finally gave me the green light, it was just like, um, slowly but surely keep growing me into different roles. So from there, uh, I, I started doing sports updates during the Sochi Olympics in 2014. Oh, that's and, sweet. um, and then I started getting some uh, some full time shows on weekends and evenings, uh, hosting on my own. Oh, that's sick, man. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so yeah, obviously, like it seems like the the radio life and whatnot is yeah clearly like you said like a grind. Um, like during COVID, like how to obviously produce like you know like Canucks content, you know day in day out, Monday to Friday, like what is that like? Like how hard was that for you to like like what do you talk about? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know what we talked about for four or five months. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not uh, too intrigued to go back and look at the tape. Uh, <laughs> I bet you like the, the, the show reached deep. Like I bet you guys were reaching pretty deep into like the, the imagination of what you can talk about on the radio and what you're actually allowed to go down, what rabbit hole you're allowed to discuss. Yeah. We were definitely reaching deep for, uh, for a little while there. It was, uh, it, it was fun though. You know, you kind of look at it as a challenge, um, thinking about what you can talk about. And we tried some things that worked. We tried some things that didn't necessarily work, you know? Yeah. Um, it's all about imagination at that point. And I, I think like when this is all said and done, it, it was one of the most fascinating times to live in, in, in all aspects, in all of our jobs, especially the radio life and the sports life. Like here we are for what I don't I actually don't even know how long it exactly took for us to have hockey back, but I'm going to guess it's like four and a half months, something like yeah, that. Something like yeah. that. And it, like it it feels like it wasn't that much time now that it's all in the full swing and we got six games a day like yeah you know it, it's it feels like life is back to normal and that's what we, we were all talking about that's what sports does to you like it it just gives you a semblance of normal for three hours so i mean it, it, i feel like the radio show must have done that for you guys too like you're on three hours a day monday to friday like did you feel that that kind of took you and your fans into like a semblance of normal being able to do that the whole time i think so you know it we'd talk a little bit of Canucks. We'd watch movies and do movie reviews and do some different things just to, to, to make it happen. But I think people wanted um, that little bit of normalcy. They wanted that uh, community feel like, yeah. and I feel we've built that with, with reach deep a little bit. Um, right. You know, it's, it, 
we've got a, a, certainly a core fan base that yells at uh, Andrew Walker for not liking the game password and uh, <laughs> st- stuff like that. So it's, it's really grown over the last couple of years that we've been doing it. Um, but yeah, like e- even for just me personally, like I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have the radio show to do for three hours a day. It would have just really thrown me for a loop. So yeah, you take it as, as it was. Um, some days, you know, I, I never thought, even as big of a soccer fan as I am, I understand, you know, where it is in, in, in the place of the sports landscape here in Canada. But like we started one, one show talking about the German Bundesliga because Alfonso Davies was playing and it was just like, Never in my life would I thought this would happen, but here we are now. And, you know, it's kind of cool. You just try to find different things that are going to work for people and have some fun, give some people some laughs. You know, at the, at the end of the day, um, yes, there are uh, – you know, we have a journalistic quality to us, but at the end of the day, we are sports entertainment and infotainment even, whatever you want to call it, edutainment. Uh, but there is a big – entertainment factor to what we do and we have to stay true to that especially in sports radio we're not a news station um we we need to keep driving home the entertainment aspect of what we do yeah totally kind of like you're almost like stand-up comics except your only content is allowed to be sports and you're kind of you're like censored (laughs) in a certain way that's the way i see it and you're doing it live yeah Uh, the stand-up comics i i often like made that link uh during during the the four months without hockey um, where it's just like, yeah, you're, you're kind of thinking of bits to do during the show. And uh, you know, like what's the deal with Ovaltine? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Can we just talk about airplane food first? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, you know, it's just like, uh, I was, I was walking by the park. Can you believe how many people were playing spike ball? I mean, you you really hit our group hard there. I feel like, yeah. so it's yeah you kind of you're really we were reaching deep for topics and for bits and some stuff worked some stuff didn't but you know that's kind of the name of the game you got to always be trying to create and innovate um, because if you're just copying what everybody else is doing or you're just doing the most agreeable thing uh, it's probably not going to go off that well yeah Um, speaking of uh, Alfonso Davies you recently brought him up did you see that uh, did you watch that game yesterday, the Champions League game? Yeah, I. Uh, so a little secret, like I have like seven screens going usually. <laughs> no, okay, not seven screens, but like I, I'm pretty limited since we're working from home right now. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I do have the hockey game on one screen. I'll bring up uh, the Champions League games on another screen because I've got a soccer show with uh, – with Jeff Blair that I do with Sportsnet as well. Right. So uh, I'm trying to stay up to date on that. And Davies is, I'm watching that. I mean, I, I think I held it together while I was on the air and watching it, but like, yeah, <laughs> head, head in hands, like mouth dropped. I'm like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. yeah. Like I, I'm not even, I'm not even that big of a soccer fan. Like at all. Like I know big names, I know big teams and everything, but yeah, like we follow the big news stories. Yeah. But dude, Davies, absolutely walked <laughs> this guy. that fucking defender like that wasn't even funny yeah. like i'm looking at this guy and i'm like i'm like holy shit now i know what everyone's been talking about i think there's a chance that alfonso davies had the ipad in the in halftime and saw what bo horvat did in game game one he's like you know what 
like, I can do one better. Yeah, I can do one better. Why not? I'm going to show this guy up. Yeah, he yeah. just like, he absolutely murdered that guy. Like, it yeah. was just. And he murdered that game. too. That, that was, yeah. was brutal. Yeah. That was embarrassing. Yeah, 8-2. Yeah. 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 The crazy part is, like, not only did he have that highlight reel play uh, with the assist, uh, he kept some guy named Lionel Messi, like, at bay and just didn't allow him to get any offense during the game. Which yeah, is... one of those one of those young guys on Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, one of those chumps. New on the scene. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. like one of the, like maybe the greatest soccer player of all time, and he's just like in Alfonso Davies' pocket now. So yeah. it was uh, it was pretty incredible. Like you know, you've just provided an insane assist when the team celebrates you more than they celebrated the goal scorer. Yeah, right? yeah, that's a so total hockey move. The goal scorer looks at you in points right away. Yeah, like, yeah. you've done it, man. Like it's just Kyle, a top an empty net. Kyle you know what? The one last thing- night on Quinn Hughes, right? Yeah. The yeah. one thing that I would take from soccer, there's a couple things I would take from soccer and I would love to implement into hockey and it would be so awesome if it was in hockey culture. The two things are the crazy fans, like the chants and everything and just how like literally intoxicated everyone is at that, at that place. Yeah. And then also the goal announcers. Like I think the North American goal announcers need to get a bit more of the sound bite, you know, the energy that those guys have. Like they are, they are screaming for their lives. Especially like Messi the scores. Mexican league, dude. Oh, oh my God. They're they crazy. <laughs> It's and, huge. Uh, it, it's great. Like it's, the Spanish guys are the best. You know, they've, yeah. they've got they've got the reputation for it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how they they get there. Like it's just a pure joy, a pure love for the game. It is. Um, yeah. It's it, it is crazy. And and yeah, like I've I've uh, I, I called a bunch of games for Toronto FC a few years ago before I moved out here. Um, and yeah, you, you, like you live off the, off the crowd and when the crowd's buzzing like that, it's easy to kind of pick up that energy. Yeah, um, totally. And in, you know, in, in, in that setting, you're kind of with the crowd, uh, you feel the energy from them and then, yeah, just the, the sheer beauty of the game. If you could appreciate a great goal like that, yeah, you're, you're, you're just gonna naturally get up to that level. But the yeah. Spanish guys... They speak so fast. They they go over the top with the goals. It's just yeah. like uh, I love it, man. I they probably got their grandma up in the booth yelling at them anyway. So I mean, it's just the natural cultural energy that they got. Um, I want to go back to your show for a little bit. I need to get your analysis because obviously your listeners, your fans, they all have their opinion on what the dynamic is between you and Randy. But I need to hear it from your view. Like, what where do you guys see? Like, what where do you see? Um, like your role and the chemistry you guys have, like if you had to say like who's Wayne and who's Garth or like in, in that situation. Uh, we've, we've got a really good partnership, man. Like I, uh, I couldn't have asked for uh, a better partner when coming out here to, to Vancouver and all honesty, like Randeep is, he's great. And, and we jive well together, you know, cause I'm still kind of new in the market and, and learning the ropes, I'm going to be honest. I, I, don't, uh, I don't try to, to hide the fact that I'm from Toronto at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, it's, he's, he's got a good sense of what we need to be talking about and the points that we need to hit uh, and the history, obviously, of the Canucks. And, you know, we're, we're, we're both sports nuts, so, so that helps. But, you know, we go through a lot of different um, phases where, you know, I'll, I, we'll both really work hard on, on the topics of the show. He'll help point out some guests that we can uh, pick out because they've got a great historical significance to whatever the story is at hand. Um, you know, it was great. A couple of weeks ago we had, uh, we were doing the morning show, filling in for Perry and James on 650. And uh, we had Wes Walls on uh, and he was talking about the 2003 series 
and oh, I between the Wilds and the Canucks. And, you know, he was – everybody remembers the Bertuzzi, uh, you know, like the comments that he made, you know, we're not going back to Minnesota, whatever. Um, and, and it became a big thing at the time. Um, Wes Walls was saying, actually, the biggest thing that got us riled up was we, we came to the rink one day, and during a morning skate, uh, they, weren't, they weren't wearing any helmets. Like, they were just kind of, like, cruising through their, their morning skate. And Walls was like, we took that, uh, in, the, in the words of, great, <laughs> of the great Michael Jordan, we took that personally. Um, <laughs> and so they, they kind of – that was a big story. And then Bert came on afterwards, and Bert was like, no, that never happened. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. But it's, <laughs> you know, like these kind of things um, – that Randeep really helps helps me out with uh, because, of course, you know you watch the games, but uh, you may not have the the def- the definite memory uh, that a Vancouverite, a true Vancouverite, would have. So, you know, I think we found a really really good balance of what yeah. we are, and we like to we like to push each other's buttons. We've got some good ribbing going, so um, that's just part of the fun that we have, and that's who, part of uh, who would you cadence. say? Do you, would you say that he keeps you in check most of the time? Like, if you just had to put the blanket <laughs> statement on it, do you think like he's made he's made sure that you haven't got canceled in this world yet, or is it flip flopped? Yeah, he's definitely keeping me in check. I'm the okay. one that's got a few more of the uh, the deep reach kind of takes. So nice. <laughs> um, I, I'm all over it with the 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 hot takery. Randy kind of keeps me in check. He's he's the more even keel of the bunch <laughs> nice. when it comes to it. Yeah, yeah, you need that. He's kind of like your enforcer. He's making sure no one comes at you too much, right? <laughs> we got the little bit of a balance. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, why don't we jump into Canucks talk? I mean, we always say this: we are a Canucks podcast. We take about usually 35 minutes to talk any kind of hockey. Apparently. But yeah, um, no, let's jump in. This is one of the most exciting times to be a Canucks fan right now. We're up 2-0 in the series. This interview is going to drop after game three. So yep. here's hoping. Um, but I mean, regardless of how game three goes, we are knee deep in a great series for the Canucks right now. What are your what are your takes takeaways from maybe the first two games in, in short? Uh, man, who is this team? Because uh, before the, the NHL pause, I was uh, I did not see this coming at all. Um, I've loved it, man. It's um, seeing this team come together. I know they've talked about it a lot, but, you know, you really see it on the ice now, the way that they fight for each other. Even just Mm -hmm. when Kevin Fiala gave that little bump to Jacob Markstrom and Brandon Sutter just obliterated him, as Chris Cuthbert said on the broadcast. (laughs) Completely clean play, too. Just like a pure Jim Ross, like, oh, my God, he's got a family. (laughs) Um, My God, he's broken in half. Uh, so it's, it, it is it is great seeing uh, the way that they come together like that, and mm-hmm. you know you, you love the high end talent. Um, it, it's really carrying them. You're seeing Bo kind of come into his own right now as as the captain of this team, but they've got a good mixture of everything. Um, I know there's been a lot of debate about you know, some of the moves that were made, uh, the Jay Beagles and the, the Brandon Sutters, the Antoine Roussels. Meanwhile, now all the national media is like, look at the great mixture the Canucks have of grit <laughs> and high-end talent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, meanwhile, they're all crapping on the Leafs for, you know, not having any of that uh, sandpaper that the Canucks have. And, yeah. Uh, I, I do like it. it. It seems like a good mix, and they've really come together. And even though last night they got uh, outshot like crazy in, in game mm-hmm. two, um, I, I do think that there's – there's an element of really strong defensive play that they're not giving up as many clear-cut chances as they were in the past. They've almost got a, 
a Dallas Stars, New York Islanders kind of feel where they're okay giving up shots as long as it's not from the high danger areas. Right. Yeah, like I think um, like I think the one player that I want to talk about is Bo Horvat. Like this guy, man, is on fire right now. And it's not even like the uh, amount of points that he's producing, like that's great. But like the goals that this guy is actually scoring, like the way that he's scoring them, like like I can't remember. Like, have we seen this from Horvat before? Like, is this like a new turning of the corner for this guy? I yeah. Uh, this is. I, I wanted to say one thing and just add to it. Like, I even saw a quote from James Duffy today, and he said that if this was if this was Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid, like everyone would be talking about this and no one would shut up about it. And, you know, he's getting a ton of recognition for it, but it's just but not really, the though. type of players that score these goals usually. So yeah. what, what are your thoughts, Dan? He's been – this is the best I've ever seen him um, by a long shot. You know, I think – look back to the beginning of the year, I was kind of underwhelmed a little bit with, with Horvat's play. Yeah, he was uh, off to a slow start. He was. And now you look at him and it's just like, what, is this new dad strength that he's got going on? He's <laughs> yeah, just that's like, what everyone's saying. <laughs> Um, it's, it's incredible to see how he's, he's taken over. It's like, mm-hmm. it, it, it is reminiscent of, of Kessler in 2011. Yeah. The Nashville the, series against the predators. Right. Yeah. And it, I, I don't know where this has come from and I don't know what it is about Louis Erickson on his right wing, but like Louis can't score worth a shit. And <laughs> it drives me, it drives me crazy. I'd like, you couldn't get water if he fell out of a boat, man. This guy's I look at his hockey DB page. I'm like, how did this guy score 250 goals in his career? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, empty netters. Like, yeah. And anytime the 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 puck comes near him and he's in the offensive zone, it's just like, uh, there goes that chance. It's over. <laughs> but you know, Tanner Pearson and Bo Horvat seem to be scoring for fun at any time. Louis Erickson is on their right wing, so yeah, it's just this weird balance that really works well. And mm-hmm. Bo has taken his game to another level. He looks stronger. He looks faster. Um, the way that he's just owning the puck down low on the cycle at times for the Canucks has been huge. Yeah, uh, There's just so many elements of his game that you love. He's, he's become Captain Horvat and has been yeah. everything you wanted him to be. Yeah, like I feel like, you know, at the end of this year, you know, like you said, like Horvat, you know, he did have um, a bit of a slower start to the year and whatnot. And I feel like he – like after these playoffs, like I feel like this playoff series, like he, like you said, like he's really settling in to this captain role. Like before he was just like given the C, everyone kind of expected it, but like there was never like a defining moment of like, you know, yes, like this is our captain. Like, would you say that like this series, like the way he's playing now is like really that defining moment that like now this is our official captain? Yeah, it, it, you need the playoffs to have these moments, right? Like you can yeah. have uh, small ones in the regular season. I think back mm-hmm. early in the year, they were in Detroit. Uh, they were losing 3-1 going into the third, and I think he scored a hat trick and just like put the team on his shoulder mm-hmm. and, and got the win. But, like, you know, those get forgotten about because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a regular season game, a Monday night or Tuesday night in Detroit. Yeah. Who's, who's really paying attention? One of 82. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and in the playoffs, it just it makes all that much of a difference. Everything mm-hmm. is is it's magnified. So magnified, yeah. And I, I look at Bo, and I, I see what he's doing, and this is what you know legends are made of. If he's going to be a legend of this franchise, you know, people are going to look back on this series should they end up winning it, and look mm-hmm. back at these these goals he scored in these first two games. Like 
I think Jaden Schwartz is still looking for his jog strap. So is Vince Dunn. Yeah, and Jaden you know. Schwartz is a good playoff player. Like, if Bo Horvat turns out like him, or even just maybe even better, I think he can be better than him, but, like, that's yeah. a good good player to dangle like that. Um, yeah, and he, had, he had 12 goals in the playoffs last year, Jaden Yeah, Schwartz. and he's buzzing around this series. He hasn't had one yet, I don't think, but, oh, he, I think he got that one. Yeah, last he got night. the breakaway one, yeah. Yeah, oh, and, he, and he had the, the tip last night. I think he got the last touch on yeah, the Yeah, right, tip. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, with Bo, I think being a Canucks fan for a long time now, and even the past five years of how much of a struggle it's been, you've seen that potential with Bo. Like, he's had – he doesn't have McDavid speed, but he has a good amount of horse to him. He's just never put it together with the hands like that. And he constantly tries these toe drags, but it usually gets – usually gets, Yeah, it usually gets broken up by the defenseman. But that's the thing. It's a game of inches. And when you when you dummy a guy like that, all of a sudden you're national media now. And, yeah. and like, I, I, I posted – I, I tweeted out a, a gif the other day of, like, Michael Scott and all of his employees running away. And that's what the Blues look like when he gets the puck right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. Those are good big defensemen back there. Well, he's, he's dangling everybody. I think it's um, the goal he scored in, in game two where he dangles around Chen and Schwartz. It's also an awareness knowing that you're going up against a forward. Yeah. Um, and, mm-hmm. and so that's, that's huge because he clearly identified that and knew he was going to have the advantage there. Uh, in a one-on-one situation, and he absolutely did, took advantage of it. He owns Jordan Bennington right now, yeah. so that's also a benefit. But this is huge in the sense of, you know, I think we, we still had, I still had a little bit of reservations if Bo could do this, right? In, yeah, definitely. in a big series where Ryan O'Reilly, at five-on-five five at least, is, is kind of keeping Elias Pettersson at bay. Yeah, you, more than that need, too. Yeah, you need Bo to, to be – that guy who's going to like be like, all right, you want to take that matchup away from us? Well, yeah, have fun trying to stop me from scoring goals now. Yeah. So, it, like, that's that's been a big part of, of what Bo's doing too. Yeah. You know, I think the another player I wouldn't mind talking about is um, we brought on a couple guys, and I always ask the same question, but Jacob Markstrom right now, like, this guy is – fucking playing out of his mind like that diving save that he had yesterday like that arm save was crazy um i think it ended up being petterson was it petterson that saved it in overtime uh yeah was that did petterson block that one the camera angle looked like markstrom but you're not wrong in your take he's he's on he's on fuego he's unreal so i guess my question is you know where contract like this guy's a ufa like the further the canucks go in the playoffs the more this guy's going to get paid. So as of right now, like he got out of the Minnesota series, he played pretty well, I would say. Um, you know, what's the number and how many years? Um, I, I am not like pay the goalie all the money guy. So uh, You're not a Bobrovsky contract <laughs> fan, eh? No, I am not. Uh, <laughs> See, there's there's the headline right there. Dan Riccio doesn't want the players getting Hates paid. Hates goalies. Yeah. <laughs> that, you, just, players. you just screwed yourself there. You're not a goalie guy at all. No, I'm not a goalie guy. That's why uh, Alex Ald hates me. And, yeah, I was uh, going to say good luck getting big and, bald Alex Ald on the, pod, yeah. on the radio now. And Cor- Corey Hirsch, you know, they're just like, screw that guy. Like, what yeah. the hell? He's, he's always saying the goalie goalie shouldn't get paid uh you know like it's markstrom's incredible i didn't see this in him honestly um mm. what what he's done over the last couple of seasons is is insane um but you can't not even just for the canucks cap situation but that definitely adds a wrinkle to it that they don't have a ton of flexibility right but i've said in this i've said all year long like i think you have to set a number probably at $6 million on the AAV 
mm-hmm. and have that be the the point of no return if you're the Canucks because yeah. you've yeah. got Demko, you've got Di Pietro, like you've worked really hard at building out some goaltending depth. It's just hard for me to to pay a goalie more than that. And I think you're right. going to see it for Tampa where they're going to pay Vasilevsky now. That's really going to throw their salary cap for a loop. Florida, we saw how that worked out for them. Uh, you know, yeah. Guys making big money, they just don't really work out. And I think the leverage is in the Canucks' hands too in the sense you've got Brayden Holpe as a UFA. You've got Robin Leonard as a UFA. Mm-hmm. And you don't have a ton of teams that are really looking to add a big-time goalie like that anymore. So yeah. Canucks got to try and, and hammer that home. You know that there's some fans who really have no problem being the armchair GM and making like the the tough tweets, as I'll say, and like just say, "Oh, get rid of Markstrom." But I'm an honest fan, and I'll say there is a deep emotional connection to a player. Like when when you see someone like Markstrom, who we know the history of of he was a high draft pick, you know, looked like a great goalie when he was young, and it took him like ten years to come into his own. Yeah, like when you see him struggle on your own team, especially for three years, and he finally has a season like this, you think like there's that connection, there's that emotional connection you have, even if it even if it turned out where we didn't pay Markstrom and we moved on to a guy like Holtby or Leonard. And let's say he had the exact same kind of season. There's just not that connection quite like there is this one where, yeah. you know, you almost feel like he's been with the struggle just as much as you have. And you love your franchise players, right? And yeah. you, you get a connection to them as, as, as a fan base and, and you want those guys to succeed and you want to see, you want to see them succeed in your jerseys. So yeah. I, I get that. And, and Markstrom is right there with any of those guys, the way that he's played, even this year, you know, I, I don't know if he got snubbed, but, you know, the injury that he had to close out the season certainly affected his chances of being uh, a Vesna Trophy candidate. Um, yeah. But you, you look at him and, and you look at the other guys on the market, I think none of these guys are going to get more than $6 bucks. I might be completely wrong on that. Maybe there's that one team like Florida, although Dale Talon's no longer a GM in the league. So... <laughs> I, I don't no know. No one's having Trump sized tickets anymore. That's not. <laughs> I don't know if there's one team that's going to be handing out a, a major contract like up and up and over seven million per for for any of these goalies right now. Plus, yeah. you have some that are going to come available in trade as well. Um, the expansion, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, an expansion yeah. draft, so teams aren't going to want to carry two big time kind of goalies because they know they'll probably lose one. There's mm. there's just a lot of different elements here. Um, yeah. it, it's not like it's going to be easy to replace him, but at the same time, you have to be comfortable with how it feels or fits into your salary cap structure. And that's, that's where it's going to get real tough. I know uh, Elliot Friedman on the last 31 thoughts said it's, it's tough negotiations between those two. So I, I can't imagine it's going to be any easier with the way that he's playing in the playoffs. Yeah. No kidding. There's some tough decisions coming up for the Canucks. And, and I think just, on the end of that Canucks talk, like the best part about it is we're living in the best times right now. And we don't really have to think about that. Canucks have yeah. two more wins and somehow we'll be a second round team. And you know what, even if, even if this series turns around the other way and it goes, this has been a fantastic playoffs and it, and it will be continue to be a fantastic playoffs, even through the tough losses. But um, I kind of wanted to wrap this interview up just with one last question. And it's maybe it wasn't the right time for the question, but I, I've been really curious just um, obviously we mentioned how podcasts are blowing up and you and, and six fifty recently brought on the large cast on, on a, consistent time slot and a weekly time slot. And, um, you know, in podcasts, I think one of the interesting things is just that unfiltered, um, we, the uncensored things kind of overblown. Cause we do it a lot too. We swear all, all the time, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on 
like, what do you think the future of media is kind of with the unfiltered side of it and, and maybe with the, the convenience side of the podcast? Like, do you think more media companies get intertwined with, with these podcasts that put in the time and, and stuff like that? Yeah, it's, it is such an oversaturated market right now that it makes it um, really difficult to see how it's all going to work. Um, and I think definitely podcasts have taken a chunk uh, of, of the, the ears that used to be uh, catered to, to terrestrial radio. Yeah. But yeah, I, the way radio has kind of uh, figured itself out or restabilized itself over the last number of years yeah. has just been with an ultra local feel. And I, I don't know if you can recapture something like we've had on 650 with the post game shows, you know, yeah. where you have that post game show and right away you've got people calling in and, and sharing in the, in the joy of a post game win or, or sharing in the grief of a post uh, postseason loss, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, there's just, there's that element of it. That's, it's really, really hard to recreate from a podcast perspective. The live element is yeah. always something that's really difficult to, to recreate. And, and radios have done a tremendous job. Like it's almost similar to the way the struggle that newspaper go through and, and just dealing with the advancements in technology and how people constantly want to be stimulated on the go and stuff like that. Um, and I, I guess my question, I, I kind of wanted to take my, my question more on, I've always been a fan of the uncensored stuff. And, mm. and that's what I love about podcasts. And I, and I, I do love radios are even getting more, more liberal with it and, and allowing for more creativity and stuff like that. Um, do you ever see like a, an NHL thing or, or a, whether it be radio TV or anything like that, like my dream of a pay-per-view channel where I can just hear the players swear on, on and on. Uh, n- not in career. Uh, um, I, th- I think players are such that they yeah. hockey players more so than, than, than other sports. But I, I think the players are very conscious of, you know, that public image that they present and they don't want to stir the pot, especially in, yeah. in, in hockey. Well, but, in today's climate too, like, yeah. If you even had a really drop tough. of the wrong ingredient into the pot, all of a sudden you're the fucking you're you're a curse, dude. Yeah, uh, you know. So like, there's there's definitely a lot of lines to cross. The the line is not as far as it used to be to cross it either. So so that makes guys hesitant. But one thing I've I've known in, in doing this for a long time now, um, in interviewing a lot of players, as soon as they announce their retirement, it's. At like they they're just it's like their balls drop they're just like all of a yeah. sudden they're 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 ready to talk about anything they're more willing to tell stories uh they're they're not as they just talk like they normally would like yeah it's, a, it's a loose it's completely yeah. natural human feel where you don't have to be on guard all the time yeah whereas you know not the the cliches the 110 percent and and that yeah. kind of stuff <laughs> the, so, the pucks deep change yeah. it's kind of letter pucks in deep boys yeah. pucks in deep um yeah. You know, you, you, you kind of get rid of that. And, uh, I mean, you see it a little bit with spitting chicklets. And, you know, we have Shane O'Brien on. Um, Man, Obi is one of the best guys that you guys bring <laughs> on. Like, I, I, I will tune in no matter where I am. I don't care if I'm on a hike. Uh, Obi is a 100% beautician. Like, we <laughs> absolutely love Shane O'Brien. But he, he, started, uh, he started a new podcast as well. It's called Missing Curfew. I listened to the first episode and, and yeah, like they're just throwing F-bombs. They're talking about. Isn't Jimmy uh, Hayes on there as well? Jimmy Hayes. Give you that little Boston accent. Um, yeah. And uh, Scotty Upshaw as well is, is a part of that. <laughs> what, a, so, what a lineup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, they, they talk about missing curfew. They talk about their, their nights out on the town and stuff like that. So yeah. <laughs> See, that's like, pretty much that's... exactly what we do, except we just don't have that NHL pedigree, you know, huge, huge <laughs> fat piggy in the bank. And it's thing. usually just Josh at the Roxy. And <laughs> yeah. then, and that's, yeah. that's, that's what Dan Ricci was talking about, though, the local brand. That's what we bring. We bring the local flavor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. But our nights at the Roxy are, are a lot less fun than, uh, you know, Obi at the Roxy. At the Roxy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we then, don't have that kind of potential. And then, and then getting put out to pasture by Alan Vino for a while um, <laughs> it's just it, it, but yeah like they 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 definitely hold a lot less back um, but they are retired and I, I just don't think you'll ever get current players yeah. talking that way certainly it not is true NHL. yeah there's it's a weird market but it'll continue to advance we'll see how it goes but any, anyways Dan we can't thank you enough for coming on yeah. uh appreciate you knowing what our podcast is now and really once again you you we giving you the honor to come on so um to our listeners definitely check out his show uh, Monday to Friday, one to four, the Reach Deep show on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, keep reaching deep, boys. Uh, loving the pod. Uh, we'll be talking again soon, man. All right, appreciate it. Thanks, awesome. man. All right, welcome back, guys. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Dan Riccio, Sportsnet 650. What a guy. Um, what a guy. Guy's guy. Like we said, we're on a roll. He's hilarious, actually. What an honor to him, like yeah. we said. Yeah, huge soccer fan. He threw in some Chell references, so I know that he's an NHL guy. So that's <laughs> so always you know nice. he goes what you go through and just getting watch, making you watch the the replays. Exactly, me dummy and you. Uh, um, so other hockey news, and then we're gonna end out this episode because we're already decently short on time. So Carter Hart, dude, fuck the Habs, absolutely what Philly yesterday, five dick. Hart gets pulled after three goals. If you like the call, what do you think? Yeah, I mean you've. Whether or not you've got a playoff stud in, or just a goalie stud in Carter Hart mm-hmm. is already kind of determined. Like he's yeah. your future, but you know you got to be careful with these young goalies and what their stigma gets around them on playoff hockey. Totally. Like you can before you know it, you can be a one of those guys who just can't get it done in the playoffs. So I think getting him out there and just and you know getting him a break or whatever you want to call it a break um yeah. some motivation anything like yeah you guys to 21. just give him a rest maybe like you know yeah. just be like look kid it's not your night. It's not the end of the world. We're up one nothing in the series. It's tied to one. It's not a big deal. Yeah, like relax. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, did you see? Uh, did you see Vigneault's comments yeah. yesterday? Loved about it. About Montreal putting out the number one power play, but and he's like, "We'll make sure to keep that in mind, dude." I get nervous, dude. I just think of like we're gonna keep that in mind. I'm like, please don't run price. Like, please don't <laughs> run them. No, that's I the just, way you interpreted that. Hundred percent, I did. Wow. Yeah, I think I think they're gonna be going to the net, fucking hard. In I, game th- I I just thought that meant like reciprocation. Like I thought if they ever get up by three goals, like they're going for four, five, yeah. six. Like, I, yeah, I know, but that also means fucking jamming the net and looking for rebounds. Yeah. I think Price is gonna have a day in front of them. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, other big news that got actually released today. We're recording on Saturday. August 15th, Tuca. Tuca has he's, opted out. He's calling it quits. Now, I didn't know that you could just opt out at any time. <laughs> I thought you had like a like a window of being like, hey, we're returning to play, but like once you're there, you're there. Kind of like the but NFL. I guess, you can't, I guess you can't. It's not like the Hunger Games where you can't fucking leave. I guess you can leave at any time. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, it's like you, they do, shut you do it to the death and like you're not allowed to leave the bubble. You're like fucking quarantined. But yeah, in the hotel rooms, they literally have like cement vault doors that just close And just like on. bodyguards outside each one. Just yeah. be like, you're not, Tuka, you're I'm not, not going fucking leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Guys with like Russian gas just yeah. waiting out there. So um, yeah, the guy opts out today. Um, hello, Euroslav Halak. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Euroslav, yeah. Um, 
really an interesting decision. I mean, he quote his quote coming out was his family. Just, yeah, family. You know, it's not the right time to be around, away yeah. from them, which. I think you have to understand it. You don't have to like it, but you have to understand it, respect it. Yeah. Respect it. So I I think the interesting thing is humans are so flawed. We'll still, some people in the world will still rip them for it, but I I think think more so Bruins fans. Yeah, exactly. Bruins fans are brutal. And they already don't like fans are probably defending Rasp. You leave the guy alone, man, (laughs) even though like they smoke him every year in the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's, that's the thing that happens. I mean, it's, I don't know much, much else to say about it other than. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is what it is. The Bruins are lucky that they have a capable backup. I, I think it's interesting. Who do they bring in now as the third goalie? Yeah. I wonder if they, who they're, David I don't know. Ayers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's got to be the honorable bubble For sure, guy. Carolina's not really using him. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's just down the locker room. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, my question is, though, is, and then we can move on here. Uh, who's the favorite now still? Are you still putting Boston as the favorite in the series? In the series. Um, well, they won the game today. Yeah. Um. So already a good a good game with a lack, and he gave up a pretty bad goal, like a give a, giveaway right in front of an empty net. Yeah. Um. I. I there is just some. I, I hate the fact that Boston is like this, but give them adversity and they play better somehow. Yeah. Um. I yeah. almost think that with Tuca they have a better chance, not because Tuca is bad, but just because it, it's the same thing as the St. Louis effect. Like if we give St. Louis, you know, something to breathe life into them, they might become the hockey team that they actually are. Dude. And I think with Boston. That's probably going to happen now. Yeah. Like, I feel like these teams, like these juggernauts, like when you have, you know, a team like Columbus against Tampa or, you know, Vancouver against St. Louis, Carolina against Boston, like, dude, like you have your foot on the Tigers neck, man. And if you fucking let up, like it's going to kill you, you know? So like, if you're going to, if you're going to win, you better hope that like you're confident in your game when you cannot take a night off. Yeah. So, um, we can move on, but I like your thought. Uh, so Boston's still the favorite? Yeah, I would okay. say even more so now. Okay. Um, I haven't watched a bit of this series at all, and I actually have that line written down. <laughs> but, dude, the Caps actually better get their shit together. Like, yeah. they're down 2 nothing. Like, the... Like, are the Islanders good, dude? Like, I don't even know. Like, are they I think nasty? I, pick, I picked them to get swept by the Capitals. So that, yeah. was, a, that was a genius <laughs> so pick. So it's at least going to six now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm at least wrong in the games. I'm not quite ready to admit I'm wrong in the team yet. But, yeah. you know, the way this series looks is that it's it's kind of like it feels like Washington's thrown their best punch. Yeah. But every both games they've come out. I think first game they were 2 nothing lead, blew that into 4-2 loss. Yeah. And then this game. Ovechkin starts out with the scoring. They go down two one. He ties it, and they mm-hmm. still just they get yeah. overwhelmed. Like yeah, um, I I like you have not watched any of the games. But I have not watched one. This is the only series in in the first round that I actually have not watched. I haven't I haven't seen it. Yeah, <laughs> like I haven't even watched any highlights. Like I imagine no I'm highlights. Seeing Ovechkin snipe or something, but yeah, um, you know, New York just might be that team that you perennially doubt every year. You doubt them. I mean, not anymore, dude. Spin chicklets made a shirt that has the islanders wagon? And it says wagon man yeah. grinelli has cursed them fucking whitney must have made that shirt because he wants them to lose yeah 100 percent. so yeah honestly i i don't have a lot to say but all i'm saying is man washington you got to figure it out dude i yeah. i can't give you any advice because there's no highlight evidence but just start winning games hey, you know what that year they won the cup guess what happened in their first round series what they went down 2-0 to columbus Rut row. And they came back <laughs> and they won in six. Uh-oh. And now they're down 2-0. <laughs> and they might win the cup. Shut up. Okay. Um, last one. 
Dude, I'm just pissed for Arizona fans, man. I'm Talk. pissed. You know, game one, fine. You get outshot 40 to 14. You deserve to I, lose. I, you deserve to lose. But you know what? For like the slightest bit of hope was just shattered until the last five <laughs> minutes of the game. And then Colorado just yeah. scored three quick ones. And you're like, well, fuck. <laughs> the floodgates literally open. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But you know what, though? In, in game two, they came out swinging. Uh, we're actually watching the game right now as game well. Game three, yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's, oh, and Eric Johnson just took a shot off the knee. That looks yeah, like a couple of that shift. Yeah. Um, and five minutes ago, three minutes ago in game two, fucking Burkowski just buries one and, uh, and that's a lucky bounce too. Like just you know, a fortunate bounce. Like if you're like, if you're Arizona, you know, uh, you're not obviously the favorite and, and I have a soft spot for Arizona. I don't know why. Me I just, I, I like the team. Yeah. I, I like They're the lovable losers. Um, and you just want them to do well and you never want to see a franchise lose their team. And that's always been something, um, you know, always going on with this market. So it, it's just hard. It's just disheartening. And even in this game, though, I mean, it's tied one, one, it's 33 the second to period 15. and they have 33 shots against like, like dude, like they're on pace to give up what, like they're on pace to give up almost 50 shots. Yeah. And you know what? Like they need this game. Like they need it. They can't afford to lose this. And yeah. You know, this is Calgary all over again, man. Like, this is what it looks like. Yeah. You know, game one, Calgary won it. And then after that, like, it was all Colorado. And Kemper coming up huge. Um, I think the only thing that's going to fucking save this series for Arizona is going to be Darcy Kemper. Yeah. Like, after that's that. That's the only hope they have. Seriously, like, you need to be comfortable giving up goals to McKinnon and Rantanen and Landeskog and just... Like, that's it. Just, you know, beat them in depth. But Arizona doesn't have a lot. So, anyway. Yeah. And their stars are good. I just don't know if they can keep, like, watching Colorado play on how fast they come. Yeah, shift after shift. How many of these shifts have we seen from them? Yeah. Just all out control and just nonstop skating. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's incredible. So, is that all we have? I think that's about all we have for today, guys. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, I think we're, we're hoping to get another interview uh for thursday's episode um i believe i don't i don't want to say who it's going to be because hopefully it happens um if not we'll we'll see you guys either way though so have a good week enjoy game three toodles oh what were you gonna say no that's it that was it that was it and went down the pants i thought you were done oh